Welcome to Fix. My name's Daniel Swan. Uh, this is episode 57, in which myself and uh, longtime friend Robin Passard detail our favourite bad films. We, we delve within our souls and reveal the films that get our love that aren't particularly cool. It's a very courageous thing that we do here. Are we heroes? Uh, no. So, here we are. I am very pleased to be joined um, by longtime friend of the show, uh, Mr. Rob Passard. Uh, how are you, sir? Are you there? Are you I'm alive? I'm good. I'm here. I'm here. I'm alive. If you could do me the honour of at least um, giving me my full title, I'd appreciate that. Okay. Uh, Robin, uh, French Brownie, Danzy Passard, um, uh, a, a wonderful uh, man, a wonderful film lover and a true brown person is that theodore theodore logan thank theodore you logan. i appreciate that that's my mm. that's my full title yeah i'm good man i'm good how are you i'm very good i'm excited for this man i'm excited for this more than i possibly should be um so we are discussing and this is, we should give proper credit um proper credit where it's due this is a question that was posed to you um, mm-hmm. By your good friend Alex. I don't know his surname. Well, I don't, I don't, no one calls him Alex. No one calls him Alex. When they you say no Turkish. one calls him Alex, do you mean that you I mean, call him everyone Turkish? Everyone calls him Alex except me. <laughs> and you call him Turkish because you watched Snatch together when you were younger and you thought, oh, that's cool, isn't it? That's cool. That's that's the, that's literally the only reason. Nice. We, were, we were about fifteen. It was like that's a cool that's a cool nickname, isn't it? And and it's stuck and it just you know, it just, it just, oh, and he doesn't. There's no Turkish delight, love on his part, or kind of curly shoes. I mean, he is or, a delight. He is, he a, is delight, a delight. No, that's okay. But no, there's 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 no there's no rhyme or reason for it really, other than we both like snatch. Um, but I don't have a nickname based on a film that him and I both enjoy. He did, just, you you weren't deemed worthy of a. A little super K. No, no, super K. No, no super K for me. No. So uh, yeah, so Turkish posed this question to me, um, and we're sitting at uh, we're at his house, sitting on the sofa, mm-hmm. and he said to me, "He's he's a bit like George Foreman." If you'll allow me, <laughs> let me <laughs> let me just set up Alex a Turkish person. If, if you'll allow me the room to George breathe. Foreman. He is a negritude. He <laughs> is some. He is someone. Look it up as a real word. He is someone that. <laughs> He is someone that doesn't speak very often, but when yep. he does, it's often either arresting, <laughs> fu- funny, oh, uh, or arresting. deep. Sure. Right, okay. Um, and good. so uh, he's like Rain Man without being on the spectrum. Without the clever shit. We sat at his house. Oh, yeah, there's none of that. And he said to me, um, he said, what's the, this is the question he posed, he said, what's the worst film you've seen? like more than two or three times. And I, I was like, wow, that's a really good question because most of the worst films I've seen, I've probably only watched half and given up yeah. because they're so shit. Um, or I've watched once and thought, well, I'm never watching that again. 
for yeah. one reason or another. It was too long, it's too old, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, posed, it posed an interesting question because I know that there are some films, and I know the same is true for you, and probably most people, that are shit. Like, if, in terms of, like... Yeah. Like, the structure of the story or... Yeah, exactly. But I keep coming back to. Yeah. And so I pose this question to you, and we've yeah. been kind of... Um, Fervently thinking about uh, a top, t- what was supposed to be a top three is now going to be the top twenty. Yeah, um, and it's yeah. What I like about it is like yeah. Any everyone's watched a million bad films once. Everybody's done that. And there's a lot of people who've watched a bad film twice. I think sometimes you can get kind of drawn into it if you haven't seen it for a while, and somebody else wants to see it. You like, know, oh yeah, I'll give it a watch again. But over twice becomes becomes like that by necessity I think is something that you have sought out is something that you have decided you know what I know it's bad but I'm gonna watch it again for whatever reason I just think that's very interesting yeah and it's alarming because um until I started this I didn't realize how many shit films I loved I mean I knew I I knew I had a handful I knew I had quite a large handful yeah I I got to I got to 18 easily I didn't break a sweat and they're all films, and uh, I suppose we should preface this by saying that we are rating these films by Rotten Tomatoes percentage rating. This is not what the audience think. This is the freshness yeah. rating. Is that right? Yeah. So this is the, this is the critics. So obviously, it's a, it's a very difficult thing, and it's it's something that um, I'd hope to have a, a, a potentially a subsequent um, flicks about, because obviously the the idea of film criticism in itself is uh, somewhat flawed. The idea that you can put any kind of um, quantitative value on the worth of a film because it is art and so it's all subjective and blah 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 so you can't just say oh this is not, not some of these not some <laughs> of these but um for, for the majority yeah so we needed some kind of um some kind of measure some kind of metric by which to uh, grade these against um and so yeah we went with rotten tomatoes because it is kind of a, a bit of a catch-all a bit of a cover-all um and as, as opposed to say imdb ratings um, Rotten Tomatoes ratings do tend to be slightly harsher because it is just a, a, a kind of a binary thing. Was it a positive rate, uh, review or was it a negative review um, as opposed to the actual worth of the film? So it's, yeah, it makes it a bit more, uh, a bit more devilish and a bit more fun. Um, so, yeah, so these are films that have been rated. So what's your highest? So you've got 18, I've got 11. I'm going to bring mine down, or at the very least, I won't go in-depth into all of them. We'll kind of just skim over them, because I don't want everyone to get bored of listening to me talk about really shit films. Um, In terms of the highest, the film that's rated highest on my worst best list of 18, uh, it's a percentage that is uh, 42%. 42. So that's the same as me. Okay, so that's good. So we've got nothing higher than a 42% here. um, Which is a 4 out of 10. Yeah, which is... Give or take. Objectively, it's it's not great. It's not great. Um, so, I think we should probably start with you, obviously, because uh, you have more of them. Um, okay. But please, just let, let's, uh, I, you know, as much as normally I'd say, let's go for a, a kind of one from you and one from me and blah, 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 blah. Um, I think it's going to be much more... Um, yeah, much more rich an, uh, an experience to just let's just dive into French Brownie and everything that is wrong with your taste in films. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> just wander shall I, through. Shall I? Shall I give you seven and then let you talk? 
and then we'll all pull it up. Yeah, let's let's do a fair? seven. Let's let's okay. let's go for a seven and then see what the talking points are coming out okay. of those seven. Okay. And the, uh, and I sh- again, if anyone's listening, and they very rarely are, um, <laughs> I have to say this is a genuine list. There's nothing I put on here to be sen- uh, sensationalist uh-huh. um, or to try and seem. I mean, I don't know how it seemed cool doing this, but <laughs> to seem controversial. This is a this is genuine. I love these films. I really love these films. And I think um, one of the things that we were discussing before we started recording is that I think it works out for both of our lists that not only are these films that we have seen on multiple occasions, but every single one of these films is films that we have either right now or in the past have owned a copy of, either 100%. on DVD or with several of these, VHS. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of these were VHS. Yeah. And then, and then I made the move to uh, DVD. And should I ever uh, progress further up the food chain to Blu-ray, I will be purchasing these again. <laughs> uh, I, I think, without hearing some uh, all of your list, I'm confident that there will be some selections on here that will never get a Blu-ray release. <laughs> Why can't I find this on the Amazon? It's not there. <laughs> Discontinued. Oh, please, uh, please. No, no, I'm, in the first place. I am, I am eager and desperate to, to hear what you have got, sir. Okay, it's a slow start. Sure. It's a slow start. And at 42%, number 18 on my list is Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky? Is that that low? It's 42% of Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Now, it's a, it's a soft opening because Vanilla Sky is probably widely accepted as a kind of... It's a, quite a good film. 42% yeah. is probably a bit low for Vanilla Sky. Most people probably give it a 6 or 7 out yeah. of 10. Yeah, um, it's not an amazing film, film, but I don't think a lot of people would say, oh, that was bad. Yeah, it's not awful. It's not yeah. Battlestar Galactica or any of the other films on my list. Uh, <laughs> and that's not one of them. Um, but Vanilla Sky is a film that um, uh, made me cry. Really mm-hmm. made me cry at the end. Um, but it was also a really good performance by Tom Cruise. I think uh, Jason Lee is also really cool in it. Yeah. And um, it's a story that I was really attracted to. Like I said, I'm not going to go into these big time, but it's a story I was really attracted to the first time I watched it. There's a kind of mixture of um, some comedy, but also lots of tragedy. And I like the film because it's uh, it's a film that needs repeat viewings. And so that's one of the reasons I watched it again, because I was like, okay, I want to see at which yeah. point the reality, da 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 without yeah. any, any spoilers. And then I thought, ah, so that. And then actually, having watched it the second time, and up until the probably 11th or 12th, I just kind of fell in love with it. So for this yeah. guy, is 18. And I think, that's, I think that's important with all of these, that we should... Um, also clarify because this, this is a question that I threw out on, on Facebook as well and got a few mm-hmm. responses and it was always interesting to me to give that follow up question of why did you come back because I think there's several reasons I think there's several reasons and that is a very valid one of like you know that, that it's a film that has some level of twist or some level of you know um, something that reframes what's come before um, mm-hmm. so you want to kind of give it another watch and, uh, and work out what's going on so I think yeah that's, that's a, a, a fine starter and I also I want to I want to make this very clear. <laughs> I just said that Vanilla Sky is number eighteen on my list, uh, yeah. which is paving the way for you to say that number one on my list, I a film I love, is also the lowest rating. It's not the case. No, the film that I say last on this list is not the film that I love the most because it's at nine percent. Just a warning. Um, <laughs> but. but, but uh, I love all these films for different reasons. So that's the is, is this the order that we're doing them? Are we, are we doing them in in descending Rotten Tomato score? Yes, I think. Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah, that's I good. So. Okay, nice. Okay, the next film uh, is a film that stars uh, an actor who appears twice on this list. 
were a couple of actors there for a few multiple times. <laughs> and one of them was Tom Everett, um, Tom who was recently in La La Land, actually. Um, but uh, this actor is called Bill Murray. Really? A little known actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. He's this twice. William um, Murray. And the film uh, that has 41% mm-hmm. is The Man Who Knew Too Little. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's a because that's a that's a fun little film. I know, right? And I've again just a very quick sentence or two. I've loved Bill Murray for years. I think ever since I saw him in Ghostbusters and Scrooge, which mm-hmm. are films that I've ingested so many times, mm-hmm. um, I kind of I fell in love with Bill Murray and have since kind of devoured everything he's ever been in, right yeah. up to being an adult. I still, it's like Daniel Day Lewis for me. I still look out for films that he's in. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and see it, yeah. even if they're awful, which. Uh, Many of them are. Um, <laughs> the Man Who Knew Too Little is an awesome film because it's Bill Murray being very silly, which I love and I could watch again and again and again. Um, but also some of it was filmed in Croydon. And I remember as a kid watching yeah. and seeing a Croydon underpass slash overpass and thinking, hey, that's Croydon. And for some reason that gave me a little bit of, um, bit more of an affinity uh, to the film. But it's Whatever really cool. hooks you and, in. And it stars, also stars Peter Gallagher who was in a film called um, While You Were Sleeping, which I kind of binge-watched as a kid as well. I thought I was a weird fucking kid when it came to films. But anyway, uh, The Man Who Knew Too Little is at 41%. Nice. It's, it, it strikes me... The Man Who Knew Too Little is kind of like... It's like a kind of hour-and-a-half sketch, I feel like, that they just yeah. said, what would it be like if Bill Murray was caught up in a thing that he didn't realise that he was in? Go yes, and then they yes. just do a whole thing, and it's yeah, it's it's very light and very, but it's yeah, it's fun. I'm surprised that that's as low as it is. Well, if you're surprised by that, you're going to be really surprised by this. <laughs> um, this is a film that is part of a franchise, which I think is possibly the second best film of said franchise, and there mm. are uh, five, six, there are seven films that are part of this franchise. Okay, and I think this is the second best film of that franchise. Uh, the first. The best one of this franchise is Titular. Sure. Uh, and then I think Rocky Four is the second wow. best film of that franchise. The critics only give it 39%. Wow. Which really shocked me because it's quite a popular, amongst Rocky fans, Yeah. Rocky is like, that's the best film, and it is. It is. Because you yeah. could have left that alone, it would have been, it would have been great. Yeah. Um, but then a lot of fans will say that Rocky Two or Three. Uh, are great, but a lot of people say Rocky Four. It's montage heavy. It's got Dolph Lundgren. It's really emotive. It's the film where I mean, if if you haven't seen Rocky Four by now, you're never going to watch it. But it's the film where Apollo Creed dies. So loads yeah. and loads of stuff happens. Um, but 39 percent that really shocked me. And I love, yeah. like, I love Rocky Four. You love it. You've you have oh, several Rocky posters IV. of Rocky Four, don't you? Yeah, I really do. Multiple really do. posters. And should more come out, I'll buy them. I'll them <laughs> I, I, I adore Rocky Four. It's, it's, I mean, it's right up there with Rocky. It only just loses out because of the kind of the origin story. But um, yeah. Rocky Four is nice. an amazing film. I noticed when I was when I was looking through the um, uh, the lowest IMDb rated ones, uh, I saw that Rocky Five came up very far down, and I was like, yeah, Rob's not going for that one. He's not going for old oh, Tommy Gunn. No, That's right, not happening. No. Tommy Gunn can. Actually, I shouldn't speak ill of him. He's quite ill in real life. But uh, the character, he's a nitwit and a fool. Um, <laughs> so uh, the next film on this list is uh, 37%. Okay. Heads down there. We're that, sub 40% now. Yeah, we are indeed. Uh, this is a film that when it first came out, 
I really enjoyed it. I watched it in LA with my sister-in-law, uh-huh. and um, I, man, I got a real kick out of it. It stars Simon Pegg. Okay. On, who, who you and I are both very big fans of. Yes. Um, and it was him... Uh, it was him kind of playing a bit of a nitwit, but the support, the supporting cast in this film are really, really great. And the story's it's not quite there, but, it, it, but it's there enough, and there are enough silly moments that, for me, it's sure. such a go-to film. I, I've seen this film 10, 15 times. Wow. It's the kind of film that you think... It's like a forgetting Sarah Marshall. Let's pop this on. This is yeah. Really uh, and that film is How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. I knew it. Yes. Did you? Did you really? Yeah. yeah. Well, as, yeah, when you said he's playing a bit of a nitwit and the story's not quite there, I was like, oh, right, okay. I get this. Yeah. I get this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, not an awesome film, and I no. know that. I know that. It's, it's kind of, I can see through that, but it's such a comfort watch for me. I know the beats. I know when they're coming. There's a little bit of sincerity there. He's playing someone who's a massive kind of older film fan and mm-hmm. it, you kind of scale it back to you and I liking a lot of films from the 90s there's a little bit of familiarity there with the character and um, it's got Jeff Bridges it's got Kirsten it's a great cast yeah um, it's a really good cast um, and yeah so for that reason oh and Megan what's her name Megan Fox Megan Fox oh give it a name <laughs> but uh, yeah so How to Lose Friends and Alien People 37% nice um, <laughs> the next one <laughs> uh, the next one's at 34% sure um, and deserves to be lower if I'm being <laughs> it's a generous it's, 34% it is yeah it's 1995's Mortal Kombat really? Um, yeah <laughs> I love this film I, I really really love Mortal Kombat again it's kind of it, it kind of reminds me of my brother because we would watch this film kind of growing up and I really like yeah. the characters of Sub-Zero and Scorpion who were represented I mean the graphics are pretty they don't really stand the test of time although yeah. they're okay but they're really well represented in a live action version of the game because yeah. it's difficult to do and Scorpion famously had the snake that came out of his hand when he's like come here and there's and a, yeah, they have really a fight cool. in like a kind of forest or a woods or something That's right. and it has to wrap and you know around what? all the any trees time, any time I see a forest and the trees are like lined up perfectly. It makes me think of this Mortal Kombat film because <laughs> in it, in it, um, Scorpion hides behind these kind of perfect rows of trees. Yeah. And so it, it always harks back to that. Sub Zero's got some like some great moments with freezing water, and there's just there's just a lot of really cool moments that if you're a fan of the game, which I was, they yeah. translate really really well in the film, or that at least they did to my eleven uh, year old self. Yeah, uh, and being a big fan of nostalgia, that's enough for me. So, Mortal Kombat, thirty-four percent. That's yeah, that's that's something that I feel. I mean, obviously, I don't know what the rest of your list is, but I'd imagine that that nostalgia is a, a, a kind of a very powerful force in this list of watch first watching a film when you're younger, perhaps slightly less discerning yeah. as a viewer, yeah. and something yeah. about it kind of grabs you in, and then it's and then you, you're done. You're done. Forever. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Other than maybe one or two. The rest of them are based on nostalgia. <laughs> They've kind of scorched themselves in my memory. Yeah. And, um, and regrettably, uh, that was a period of time it would appear that films were not made to stand the test of time because <laughs> the percentages are shite. Although Mortal Kombat, of course, also does have one of the best uh, themes to it. That amazing, like, dance. Mortal Kombat! And the legs break. The neck yeah. break, excuse me. I knew you were going to bring that up. I know you, I know you know it anyway. Mm-hmm. I think it's Katana, isn't it? 
Katana? Yeah. Is it Katana? Yeah. She kills someone by... Uh, no, it's not Katana. Is it? No, it's... Um, is it it's Son- Sonya Blade? Sonya Blade. Sonya. Yeah. Sonya Blade, your soul is mine. <laughs> uh, sorry. So, very moving on quickly. The next Lovely. film, and this film deserves to be higher, I think. Okay. And I think you'll agree, because there are some moments in it that me, you, and our mutual friend Rago mm-hmm. have dined out on for a long, long time, and probably yeah. would still do. It's at 33%. Mm-hmm. So they're saying this film is worse than Mortal Kombat, which is bullshit. Uh, and that's The Breakup. Really? Yeah. That's a yeah. big shame. Isn't it? Because it's a good yeah. film. It's a, it's good, a film. good Yeah, really I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a rom-com. It's not going to set your world on fire. It's all fairly kind of, you know, you kind of, you, you understand where it's going. But, I mean, that's a, it's a fun ride. Exactly. It's uh, got, I, uh, I feel like I don't need to... Oh, sorry, John Michael Higgins... Of the uh... tap 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 it tap 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 it. tap tap tap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's a proper you know crappy rom com. Yeah, that's exactly Peter with the bass drum. Go, yeah, just funny man. I mean, just for that scene. <laughs> I know, and the great the great sort of sub story which makes this film mean even more to us is when Rago was still living in. Croydon, he mm-hmm. would do a, uh, an event night called Croydon uh, Baselift, which yeah. was like a club event. And John Michael Higgins was filming in Croydon and stumbled into Croydon Baselift when Rago was at the at the door taking tickets. And Rago, and you know, he was a big fan of the breakup. Yeah. He was like, "You're the fucking guy from Breakup." <laughs> and this guy was like, uh, "Yeah." And he goes, "Hold on, bruv. I'm just going to go upstairs and get someone to cover me. I'm going to come down. I'll buy you a drink." And he was like, uh, okay, Rago went upstairs to find someone, came back down, and John Michael Higgins had scarpered wisely. Fuck. But he swears by it. He swears that this guy walked in. That's funny. So, yeah, maybe that's why that makes wow. sense. But you can see what I mean. That's not a bad film. That's not a bad film. No. It's not a great film, although but it's from, not a bad film. Although from here on out, <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> that's the ooh. last vestige of quality that we're going to get. We go from 33% now down to 28 Wow, Okay. So this is, yeah, we're really we're getting into the, the dregs. Yeah, if you're in a plane right now, you'd be panicking. We're, <laughs> the altitude is, is falling pretty fast. I've got two at 28%. Um, the first one is a little-known Whoopi Goldberg film <laughs> <laughs> based around a Rolling Stone song called Jumping Jack Flash. Have you ever heard of it or seen it? <laughs> I have heard of none of this, No. Okay, so so this is one of those films that um, uh, was kind of when technology was first sort of coming to the fore and people had computer jobs. This was made like early eighties. Okay, and she plays. You know when it was all it was all like I don't even know what to call it actually, but when the screen's black and it's just got green MS uh, DOS yeah, type. Yeah. Um, she plays. She does some sort of computer job and someone hacks her computer and starts telling about all this mad shit that's going on. So she gets embroiled in this kind of spy comedy thriller. Um, and it, it's really, really shit. Like, it's so <laughs> shit. It's, it, it's awful. But it's one of those films that we had on in the house and we had on VHS. You know, we taped it from, yeah. from ITV or LWT or whatever it's called in those days. <laughs> and it's just because you, didn't, like, you don't have the, the panoply of films at your fingertips. Yeah. You would just watch whatever's on VHS. And so I'd watch Grease and Big Trouble in Little China over and over and over yeah. again. This was one of those films. I just knew every beat to. I bet and if you watched it today, you'd, oh. you, would, you would be able to pick out where the ad breaks were. 
100%. With Big Trouble in Little China, it was um, after they escape from um, Thunder and they're rolling backwards in the wheelchairs and they almost fall down the well and they finally <laughs> escape. That was when there was one of the breaks. Like, I, I just know. I know where they are. Yeah. Um, joining it at 28% is a Chris Farley film and there are two on this list. Which Shocker. Means, which means that David Spade's... Spade or Spade? <laughs> Spade. David Spade uh, is also in it, uh, and it's Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Black Sheep, where um, uh, Chris Farley plays a character whose brother is running for head of, I don't know, like a, like a mayor or a governor. Okay. Um, and Chris Farley's a bit of a fuck-up. Like, he teaches um, kids um, American football. And David Spade is uh, on the campaign trail and is hired to kind of distract... Chris Farley's character kind of take him out of the equation, take him on a uh, road okay. trip, and kind of make sure he's not around and doesn't get into trouble, so that it doesn't sure. look bad on his brother. Um, it's 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 just a stupid comedy, but it's really funny. <laughs> and again, when I was a very lonely <laughs> boy, uh, this would take up a lot of my time. So, twenty eight percent black sheep. Have black I done seven sheep. yet? Can we introduce you into this game yet? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. Um, we've got the breakup. We've got Mortal Kombat, How to Lose Friends and Only Let People, Vanilla Sky, Man Who Knows Little, Jumping Jack, Flash, Black Sheep, and Rocky Four. I've done eight. It's your turn, man. That's, okay, that's, I'm on eight. Okay, so I will. Uh, I will go in with. I'll come in with five. I think because then we've got mm-hmm. five that are thirty percent and above, and then six that are th- below thirty percent. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start off with a, uh, a forty-two-er. Mm-hmm. Start off with a forty-two percent. Um, it is a film, um, one of the few films starring, uh, and especially not written by um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone of South Park fame. It's a film called Basketball. <laughs> um, this is a film which uh, which is set in the not too distant future, where mm-hmm. and it starts off with an amazing just to kind of bring you into the world of. of you know what's the state of affairs now? Um, it with a really funny voiceover kind of explanation of what's happened to American sports and everything has be- become too commercial and it's kind of riffing on the ridiculousness of American sports and how mm-hmm. quickly players change teams and how quickly teams change um, uh, cities. Uh, makes jokes about um, that are that are real. Um, that have uh, real changes that have taken place. The Minneapolis Lakers, and obviously being a basketball fan, being a young basketball fan, didn't have that much uh, in the UK um, that I could hold dear to my heart. Uh, and so this was like, oh my God, they're talking about basketball and I know what they're talking about. This is great. Um, they talk about the, the Minneapolis Lakers moving to Los Angeles where there aren't any lakes. Uh, the New Orleans Jazz moving to Utah where they don't allow music. So it's kind of making jokes about that. And then they... There's a funny bit where they do like cross-promotional sports where there's American football players playing baseball and one of them just kind of clatters into a guy who's on first base. And it's, it's kind of funny. It's ridiculous. It's um, in part, I don't know whether they directed it or wrote it or something, but in part it's got the, um, the Zucker, Abram Zucker um, people from uh, Airplane and, and Police Squad. It's not all of them, oh. but it's like, it's the thing like when... Uh, they do those awful parody films and it's like from three of the seven guys that brought you so it's like right so that was a bad film so this is going to be even worse and obviously Police Squad and Airplane are amazing films but this is just a little bit it's, 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 a, it's a, a clear step below but I, I don't think it's necessarily worth 42% but um, yeah it's stupid um, I don't think Matt Stone is a particularly good performer but I think Trey Parker is very funny um, mm. 
and it's also got uh, Robert Vaughan, the wonderful Robert Vaughan, um, oh. the now late Robert Vaughan, unfortunately, who yeah, plays the bad guy shame, in it, it? who's, uh, who's also, great. He played uh, Albert Stroller in Hustle for many, many years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and was in... Uh, um, well, he's the man from Uncle originally. Um, yes, so he, that's right. he brings a wonderful class to it. Um, and it's also got, as a young man, I mean, my, my penis will come into play very strongly in uh, one of the latter films of why I watched it so much. Um, but this is a film uh, that has two of, still to this day, of the 90s, um, one of the most wonderful, uh, two of the wonderful most looking women on the planet, uh, Miss Jenny McCarthy. Uh, and the wonderful Ms. Yasmine Bleeth from uh, Baywatch, uh, mm. who were just wonderful-looking women. Uh, mm. So that, that you know, gave uh, young Dan uh, a slight young chub. Um, and so, yeah. Moving I, on, I, moving on, moving on. Moving skip on. to the end. Let's, let's <laughs> skip to the end. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's stupid, funny, whatever, let's do it. Um, 41%. Um, we've got a Kevin Smith film. Now, Kevin Smith is a, a director that I love very much. I will therefore, I think, give his films... Um, slightly more leniency, I suppose, um, than other people might when they're coming in uh, uh, in from the cold and they don't know anything about him. Um, but this is a film that he always decries and lots of people decry, but I really like. It's a film called Jersey Girl, um, mm. which is... Uh, I think what hurt it is that it was. It starts off with Ben Affleck being married to Jennifer Lopez and it was made at the height of the, the Benefer type thing. So I think a lot of people kind of cast it into the same bin as Gigli, um, which obviously always shows up on the lists of the worst films ever made. Um, I think that hurts it, but I think it's really cute. I think it's really sweet. I think it has a nice message in it. Liv Tyler's very cute in it. Um, the little girl that they get um, is uh, is lovely. So it's about him being a, being a single dad and uh, wanting his past life and not being able to kind of move on to his his new life as a dad it's all it's all quite heartwarming and it is the strongest compliment that i can give to it um is that it's a film i'm not a kid's guy i don't really get the point of them but um it's a film that you watch and you think oh, maybe maybe it'd be nice to have a daughter maybe it'd be nice to have a little kid um nice. which is a, a a strong endorsement a strong endorsement indeed um and it's nice. also got uh, Stephen Root in a supporting role. And most films are improved by Stephen Root being in a supporting role. Um, and then number f- number three, this is the film Hold that on, before I... you carry on, I just want to say one very quick thing. Please do. Kevin Smith's best years are long gone, long behind mm-hmm. him. Um, he made maybe two good films, uh, maybe a, a few okay ones. Um, I can't really get on board with your defence of him because, I mean, if you, if you look at the, the canon of his work... It's mediocre at best in terms of his mean or his average. I think, um, yeah, I think I think Chasing Amy's really good. I really, really like Chasing Amy. I think Morats is fun. I mean, that was the first one I saw, so maybe there's some nostalgia coming in with that. I think Dogma's good. Um, I think Red State is very uneven, but I think it's got some some fun bits in it. I'm not a big Clarks fan. Jane Silent Bob Strike Back is a 90-minute kind of in-joke, so it's not. I don't really consider that a film in and of itself. Uh, and then since then, yeah, it's it's entirely fallen off the cliff. Uh, my my rating system when I review films on uh, Instagram um, is a, a five-point rating system, um, and I mm-hmm. would always give films one out of five because I think, well, you know, that's that's the minimum. One out of five. You know, if a film gets made, then it's one out of five. Mm-hmm. But his latest film, Yoga Hoses. Um, I had to give zero out of five because it is a, a, a wow entirely irredeemable film. It's a pile of old shit. 
Um, and that shows up on a lot of these bad film uh, lists. But I was like, there's no way in hell I'm picking that because that was... If I ever watch that film again, it will be through some kind of torture. Um, but yeah, generally, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's not great, unfortunately. Um, now, my third film is one uh, that I was kind of teasing you with because I was like, there's a film that we both love. Yeah, you did say and I, didn't, I, did, I tried to kind of think, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. A film that we both love that we have both quoted um, several times on several occasions, um, but that is rocket all the way down at 40%, unfortunately. It's a film called Hot Rod. <laughs> a Christmas 40%. goose! Um, yeah, 40%. 40%, which is really yeah. harsh, I think. Yeah, agreed. Because t- I was speaking to, my, to, to Tiffany B, my wife, um, about it, and she was like, "Well, it's a very, it's a very specific style of humour." But I don't, I don't really see that much difference between the style of humour you get in Hot Rod and the style of humour that you get in like Anchorman or something. Mm. I think they're both yeah. just very silly, very stupid, not taking themselves. Yeah, you in could any even way argue seriously. that Anchorman, Anchorman, sometimes is more stupid. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so I, I I don't really understand it. It's got a great cast. It's got a great. Uh, it's got some really great kind of set pieces in it. Um, yeah, and again, I mean, if we if we if I hate to reduce us to you know to, to beasts of the animal kingdom, but Isla Fisher in that film is as oh. as wonderful a, a creature that you could ever imagine. Agreed. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, that's a shame. Forty percent. Okay, fine. Very well. Yeah. So that's that's a big disappointment. So if you haven't seen that film and you're listening, go out and watch it. Don't believe the forty percent. Um, yeah, it's good. Another forty percenter is another film of a franchise that has had some dizzying highs and some terrifying lows. And I would consider this one of the creamy middles, um, mm. and definitely not as bad as uh, the Rotten Tomatoes forty percent has purported it to be. It is a film called Batman Forever. Interesting you mention that. Now, Batman Forever is the the third of the uh, Batman um, franchise. Well, the mm-hmm. fourth if you include the, the 60s um, film, which a lot of people don't, um, for good reason. Um, it's the first Joel Schumacher <laughs> film. Um, it's, it's Jim Carrey, it's Tommy Lee Jones. It's ridiculous. It's the first film that kind of took it to that, yeah, that kind of Joel Schumacher-y bringing it back into the kind of campy side of things just with the mm. you know it's the first appearance of the bat nipples as well which is obviously a dark day for um for such a storied character but i think it's fun i, th- I think that, that the idea that you can't make a good and goofy batman film um i think is wrong i think it's, I, it, I agree but you're not going to agree with me okay but we'll move on I'll, I'll tell you what. I mean. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I don't. No, fuck off. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's great having the serious Batman's. The Nolan trilogy was obviously fantastic and better than this. Objectively better than this. But yeah. I think yeah. the fact that this is stupid and goofy doesn't necessarily preclude it from being a good film as well. Um, and the fifth, the fifth film, uh, all the way down at thirty percent. And this is a film that. Uh, I know that you love as well. It's, it's one of our favourite films. And uh, as much as I didn't necessarily want to put it in because it's kind of both of our film, I thought, well, it, 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 needs, to be, it needs to be spoken about. It's uh, at 30% is things to do in Denver when you're dead. Mm. Yeah, no, I didn't include this on my list, but I'm glad you did because yeah. that's bullshit. It's that's absolute why, bullshit. 
that's why this is fine. This is all well and good, this Rotten Tomato stuff. And I can be on board <laughs> with all of But um, that is, I call bullshit on that. That is bullshit. It is, it is a good film. It's not a great film. Mm. It doesn't deserve to be 8 or 9 out of 10 for everyone, but it does no. not deserve to be 3 out of 10 either. Yeah. And you I made mean, a very good point in your voice note the other day because the criticism a lot of the time is it's got cool dialogue. Who's it trying to be like? Quentin Tarantino. And you very correctly said he didn't invent snappy or cool dialogue. Yeah. So it's unfair to judge a film based on that, asking if it's copied another director who didn't invent said technique. It's yeah. ridiculous. Just just try and watch it as much as possible as its own thing. And mm. you can, you know, you can make your judgments about, well, I think he, they kind of, you know, they were going for a Tarantino-esque dialogue type of thing with their kind of made-up slang. Um, but I just, yeah, I think, well, that's, you know, if they're doing it well, then what's, I don't know, what's the issue? Um, yeah, yeah, so that, totally that annoys me, annoys me that it's as, as low as it is. Um, and again, if you listen to this and you haven't seen Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, watch it. It's a great Andy Garcia performance. A lovely little kind of, it's very quick, there doesn't have a lot of time given to it, but you really buy into the, the love story uh, with him and Dagny. Mm. Um, incredible cast. One of the best cast. chat up lines, one of the best oh. chat up lines ever. This guy is smooth as a veal cutlet. It's just wonderful. Um, incredible supporting cast. Christopher Lloyd, um, Treat Williams, uh, Christopher, Steve, Walken. Christopher Walken, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. It just all over the place. And again, she crops up again, Jenny McCarthy. I mean, there's, you know, she's, she's in a lot. She's really misunderstood, I think, as an actress. No, that's not a good reason to watch it. But she is in it. Um, yeah, just, weird role it, in it, but she's in it's, it. It's a weird role, but it's yeah, just yeah, wonderful. So just watch it. It's, it's the kind, it's the kind of role, it's the kind of film that she's in when people say to her, "Weren't you in things to do never really dead?" She's like, "No, no." <laughs> I see your name in the credits. No, 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 no. No, I get that a lot. I get that a lot. It was no. Anyway, how are you? How are you? What's going on? Change Yeah, so those are my those are my five that are thirty percent and above. Nice. Before some we delve into the, the true toss. Yeah, I think there are some good films. Yeah. Yeah. Some that don't, definitely don't deserve to be down there. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, so, is it my turn? It is. So, uh, we did 28, and so the next one is 22. Sure. <laughs> uh, and again, based very much, rooted very much in nostalgia, uh, it's Mannequin. Mannequin. With with Kim Cattrall, uh, which is yeah. a film, again, I know where the advert breaks are. Um, <laughs> but I kind of fell in love with Kim Cattrall as a younger man. Sure. Um, and I don't know, there's just something magical about the story, right? You can love someone even if they're inanimate. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and that taught me a lot uh, about love. So, that's Mannequin, that's 22%. Are we going to go one for one now, or am I... What's going on here? Uh, well, let's... Through? Maybe if... Uh... I mean, I would say let's let's go in order of like when. What's your next lowest one? But I think we'll get through all of mine and then have to go through a lot of yours. So um, let's do a few more of yours and then we'll come back and do the rest of mine and then we'll finish off with the rest of yours. Okay, so we at twenty two percent, we take quite a big jump now. Um, and we're down can I just to... say sorry very briefly about mannequin? Mm. Um, that mm. for those of us in the world uh, with the very real um, uh, phobia, automatonophobia, fear of mannequins, they creep me out. Um, I don't like them, and if I was left in a room with them overnight, then I would, I would just, I would go insane. There's a very good chance. Just cuddle it. You never know what's going to happen. Love would not cuddle it. Would not cuddle it. So watching mannequin, obviously about a mannequin that comes to life, 
and there's the bit at the end where she's going up in the wood chipper. I'm the only person in the audience going, yeah, fucking, fucking chip that witch. Chip that fucking witch. Get rid. Don't need You're that black inside. magic. You're dead inside. I root for love. I root for love. <laughs> I root for my safety. And the, the minute life. mannequins start coming to life, then... The, I'm pro-love. Yeah. Uh, that's the underlying thing. I'm pro love. That's all. I, that's my <laughs> argument. Done. I'm pro love. <laughs> I'm anti mannequin. That's that's where I stand. That's <laughs> that trumps everything. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Fine. So What's next, next? Uh, we, we take quite a big jump. There are two films here at fifteen percent. <laughs> Again, remember, remember my preface. I genuinely love all of these films. That I've not of course. made this up. Um, uh, the, well, the first one at fifteen percent is Howard the Duck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, lordy. Uh, which is about a duck that comes to Earth and gets a job. The next film... <laughs> <laughs> and falls the in love f- with Leah Thompson, which oh, we can't Leah blame Thompson. him for. But again, that, that is one of the films that is, you know, when we're talking about films that don't deserve to be down here, that is right up there in the worst films ever made. Just in, oh, from yeah. a general sense, yeah, 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 yeah. a lot Absolutely. of people would agree on that. That deserves to be down there. That's a piece of yeah. shit. But I love it. And the next film at 15%, this doesn't quite deserve to be down there, but it's a film called Dead Man on Campus, the first Tom Everett film on the list. Um, I think you know what the second one is because you brought it to my attention. You call it Legs yeah. Eleven. Um, Dead Man on Campus, which is uh, which stars um, Mark Paul Gosselaar, a.k.a. Zach Morris from Zach Morris. Bar. And uh, in this film, he and his roommate, Tom Everett, um, realise that if your roommate at college kills himself, you get straight A's because the assumption is that you're under too much duress to complete your exams and you kind of get a, a free pass. So they sure. try and find... The whole film is about them auditioning and trying to find the most suicidal um, roommate they can and coaxing them into killing themselves, They're, thereby um, getting straight A's and they can just kind of party and enjoy it. And it's it kind of preceded... Um, American Pie and all the kind of other college films. Yeah. The only thing about it was that it was bad. So that's why <laughs> uh, that's why you've never heard of it and never watched it. And actually, the DVD version I've got doesn't play on my DVD player because it's region one or two, which are all the ones that's American. Um, but it's got some great, great one-liners. And by great, I sort of mean mediocre. Um, <laughs> and by some, I mean there's probably one or two. But it's a nostalgia thing, and that's why it's there. And I'm just going to give you one more before we perhaps sure. pass the baton back to you. Uh, and this is 14%, and that's another Chris Farley uh, film. <laughs> and this is uh, this is Beverly Hills Ninja, where he plays he plays he plays uh, a baby that's kind of unwanted and is raised by um, uh, monks, karate uh, uh, kung fu monks, uh, and he's the white uh, monk, and he's called Haru. Uh, and he moves to Beverly Hills uh, to try and find his real dad. And Chris Rock's in it, and he sort of gets up to all sorts of slapstick-style mishaps. Uh, so that, but that's only 14%, which, again, I think should be at least 3 or 4% higher. But whatever. I mean, I wasn't in charge of that list. Oh, so, my goodness. So, there you have oh. it. so that's me. I'm going to pass it back over to you before wow, we really there's get Wow, so much going on there. So much going on. Just any any what, film, what? <laughs> any film where your synopsis is so Chris Farley plays a baby. I'm like, oh no, I'm bored, I'm bored already. Um, and I think it's a shame that Dead Man on Campus is is so uh, ends up being such a bad film because that's a great premise. That's a it great is, like black is. comedy premise. I like that. There there are two films that came out at exactly the same time 
with exactly the same premise. It's one of those, it was like the you know, Prestige and The Illusionist. There was another yeah. film that came out. Um, but I can't remember the name of it. But it's not as good as Dead Man on Campus, even if IMDb or whatever says it is. So just watch <laughs> Dead Man on Campus. Claims it 100% is. And I, <laughs> and I just had to Wikipedia Thomas Everett Scott as well. Um, because oh, yeah, Thomas Everett Scott. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't know. You can only be in that film if you've got three names. <laughs> it, on a side note, did you, do you ever think, and this is something that I've thought of him before, because he's obviously, for those of you who don't know, is uh, the lead, I suppose, uh, the drummer in the film That Thing You Do. That's right, he is, um, yes. Boom, doo, doo, boom, doo, boom, which is a great film, really. I mean, you want to talk about an easy watch, that is about as easy as possible to get. Just a wonderful, wonderful film. Um, do you think that he has any resemblance... Uh, to uh, footballer Wayne Bridge. He does. He does have there resemblance to Wayne Bridge. Yeah, there yeah, we yeah go. he does. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Nice, nice. Yeah. I'm pleased with that. Nice. Um, yeah, so done. let's dive in with... I mean, I could just smash through the, the last six. Um, and the, the first one of this next section is the most heartbreaking for me. Because all of these films, as we say, I, I love them and I have you know, owned them at, at one point in time. Only one of these films would legitimately make it into my top ten films of all time. Uh, <laughs> and that is this one coming up right now. Um, it is a film uh, written and directed um, by the uh, the wonderful Joe Carnahan, who also uh, wrote and directed Narc with um, Ray Liotta and, what's his name, Jason Patrick, which is a great film. Um, he also direct, wrote and directed The A-Team, uh, and The Grey, which uh, oh, a lot of God. people would know as Anything uh, with Liam, Neeson. Liam Neeson versus Wolves. Um, this is a film that stars, <laughs> there's got an incredible cast, wonderful cast. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, again, Ray Liotta, um, Alicia Keys, Common. Oh, I know this film. Um, and uh, Taraji <laughs> P. Film. Henson. Oh, my God, I love it. Smoke and Aces is. Just it's it's pretty much everything I want from a film. It's one of the it's one of those kind of films that I love that you sense could have been based on a comic book, even though it wasn't. It was it's That's that true. kind or of a graphic novel or something. Yeah, it's just a bit heightened. All the characters are a bit ridiculous. Um, it's got Chris Pine in it as well. If we're going for cast, um, mm. it's uh, Ben Affleck. Uh, just it, it's it's great. It sets up the like, the first forty five minutes are all just setting up who the characters are. And then the second half of the film is just them all shooting at each other and trying to kill Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven's in it! Fuck! What an amazing film. Um, he's great in that, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, a, he's that. great. I mean, it's greatness all over. And I understand that it's, you know, with these types of, you know, very heightened, uh, ridiculous films like Shoot 'em Up or something like that, it's not a film that's going to appeal to everybody. It's certainly not going to win any awards. But the idea that this is down at twenty nine percent was a real oh. was a real dagger in my heart. Um, yeah, it's it's and and seeing that made me want to watch it again just to kind of just to remind that film. Hey, buddy, someone out there loves you. I agree. It shouldn't be that low. Totally agree. It should not be that low. No, you think old man Primo's going to twist your shit up? Oh, and it's got a twist in it. That is easy oh, enough. That's good twist too. Good twist easy too. enough to to guess in some way, which I really like. Is you know a lot of these twists come out of nowhere, and that's fun as well. But it's also easy not... enough to guess. But you shouldn't feel foolish if you don't get it. No, no. It's you. You. You will guess some level of it, 
It's some well, there's something going on with this person, or something going on with this guy, or that situation isn't quite on the level. Andy Garcia's in it, fuck. Um, which makes me feel clever. I like that when I can kind of see a twist coming a little bit, and I'm like, oh, okay, I see that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it will make you feel clever. There's some great ridiculous dialogue. There's a hilarious bit where a kid is doing kung fu, and him doing kung fu gives him an erection. It's really weird, um, but yeah, definitely give it a watch if you haven't because it's amazing. Smoking Ace is twenty nine percent bullshit. Um, the next one is probably the the strongest. Uh, uh, nostalgia act for me in here. It's a film. Uh, last week we, uh, Tiffany B and I, watched both versions of Beauty and the Beast, um, which got us onto uh, what's your favourite Disney film? Uh, and she forbade me from picking Disney Pixar films. Uh, and so maybe not my favourite, but definitely up there in my top three would be just because I had it on video and I watched it all the time and I can still sing all the songs. Aladdin two. Return of Jafar. Oh, come off it. <coughs> it is objectively come a bad film. The, the, the animation is really ropey. Is Robin um, Williams the genie? No. The, the genie is portrayed by uh, Homer Simpson himself, Dan Castellaneta. Pathetic. <laughs> Ridiculous. The minute you knew that Robin Williams wasn't reprising his role as a genie, you should, yeah. have, you should have cursed your mother and father for bringing that VHS into your home. But this is the thing, because I, I mean, I think I probably watched Aladdin once at the cinema um, and then got this and then have watched this. Like, the genie in my head sounds like Dan Castellaneta. Oh, my God. You're an idiot. I can't he's believe He's the genie for that. me. What do you mean? What do you mean he's the genie? Just because I've watched this film like 25 times and I've watched the original one once, it's like I was a young man. Get off my fucking dick about it. Who's Jack Burton? Jack Burton is... Fucking Kurt Russell. Right. If they do a remake with The Rock, who, and they are, who's Which Jack Burton? Ridiculous. It's Kurt Russell. Right. It's Robin Williams. Because I've, I've watched Big Trouble in Little China 20 times, and I'm not going to watch the remake. No. It doesn't work like that. It does. It really does, no. though. That's you ask any human being who has decency <laughs> running through their veins, who's the genie? Who's the genie? Who's the genie in, in Aladdin? Robin Williams. Oh, it's Robin Williams. Who voices the genie? It's Robin Williams. No one, with decency, is going to say Dan Castellaneta, the voice of Homer Simpson. It's not going to happen. Well, colour me indecent. And I will, I will proudly be indecent with that film. It's great. It's, it's, Let's get this over with. <laughs> I'm pissed <laughs> off now. Fuck it. Um, number, uh, so that's at 27%. Also sharing the, mm-hmm. the load at 27% uh, is the, the aforementioned film that I only watched because um, I was at one point pretty obsessed um, in my life, uh, in my young teens, or kind of pre-teens, I suppose, tweens, I think they call it these days, um, mm-hmm. with one particular lady. Uh, and a lot of her films were films that my parents wouldn't let me watch because she's quite a sexual demon and loves getting those baps out. Um, it's uh, a young lady by the name of Heather Graham, the lovely Heather Graham, who I was in love with, let's say that, um, for a time. Uh, and one of the only PG films that she was in, Lost in Space. Um, <laughs> so this, this, is, this is a film that is, again, not great. Um, it's got, it's, it stars Matt, Matt LeBlanc as, a, as an action star. 
So that gives you that gives you some indicator. Although I do like Matt LeBlanc and I think he can do anything. Um, but he, yeah, he has some ridiculous lines in it. First, first one to kill the bad guy buys the beers. It's, it's that level that we're working with. Uh, it's got Gary Oldman in it. Gary Oldman in it. It's got William Hurt yeah. in it. He's Mimi Rogers. Um, yeah, yeah, Heather Graham. Um, and as I love how I'm giving you shit for some of these choices. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you just wait, boy. You just wait. <laughs> Good lord. Um, but yeah, it's it was just bought because um, Heather Graham was in it, and uh, I was in love with her. And yeah, if, unless it's my wife asking, yeah, I still am. Um, so yeah, Lost in Space, twenty-seven percent. Let's drop down to twenty-five percent. Mm-hmm. for a pair of uh, films that couldn't really be much uh, more dissimilar. Um, mm-hmm. The first one, just because you know you know as well as I that I am a, uh, a, a superhero film fiend. I will watch any number of shit films uh, if they have superheroes in them. I won't always love them, but I will like mm-hmm. them a lot more than the average person. Um, yep. And the worst of these that I did own, just because it came, it's the third in a trilogy, and it came in a, a DVD box set, that looked really cool with the other two, that, which are far superior. Uh, it's Blade Trinity. Um, <laughs> so this is the one with a super buff Ryan Reynolds, like absurdly buff, like chiselled out of granite Ryan Reynolds. Um, it's kind of my introduction to Ryan Reynolds, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, back in the day, I think so. I mean, it's it's not a terrible introduction to him. He's he's very quippy and very actiony, and I, I, he's one of those people like Chris Evans, who kind of you feel always gives a hundred percent to everything that he's doing, and often kind of brings up lesser films because of it. Um, it's also got Jessica Biel in it, who is mm-hmm. uh, vapid for me. I, I've got no interest mm-hmm. in her or her life, um, and uh, it's also got uh, from the world of professional wrestling, Triple H. Uh, as one of the uh, henchmen. Oh, yeah. Uh, with, like, metal teeth or something. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, but, it's yeah, it's a bad film. It's it's Blade versus Dracula, um, which should be the ultimate fight. But then the first time that Dracula... Dracula's set up as this, you know, he's obviously a god. He's a, you know, he's the best thing that's ever happened to, to vampires. He's the ultimate vampire. And the first time him and Blade come face to face, he runs away. You're like, come on, man. <laughs> Let's not have that. Um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a bad film. I can fully appreciate that it's a bad film, but it's got some nice moments. It's superheroes. It's Ryan Reynolds. There's there's enough in there for, for me to, to get on board with. Um, and interestingly... What's the percentage again? That's a 25. Uh, and mm. I think that's maybe a little harsh, but not too harsh. <laughs> I'd only yeah. bump it up another 5 or 10%. Um, and interestingly, the, the special... This is a... I've watched the special features on it. Um, one of the interviews with uh, Ryan Reynolds, because he is so, he's, there's a, when he, he gets kind of kidnapped and at one point he's kind of chained up shirtless and like all the lighting is there just to kind of bounce off his rippling abs. Um, and they interview him about it and he said, it's, um, it's a weird kind of dichotomy because he's in the best shape that he's ever been in because he's been on this ridiculous workout regime and he's eating all these specific things and hasn't touched you know any kind of carbohydrate in months. Um, and he looks amazing, but he's too tired to you know do anything with it. He's like, I look amazing, but I just want to sleep all the time because I am not eating properly, um, which I thought, oh, oh, God, that's good. That's that makes cool. me feel better about it. Yeah. Um, so I look nothing like that, but I've got... I mean, I, I like sleeping as well, so it doesn't really <clears throat> follow. Um, the other 25%, which is one that 
you might have on your list. No, you won't. No, because we've already gone past it. We've already gone past it. Um, it's too good. It's too good already. It's too good already. But you, I, I'm guaranteeing that you will you will stand, stick up for this film as well. Um, it's a, a little romantic comedy. <coughs> um, starring uh, the wonderful Ben Stiller. And mm-hmm. the even better Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, uh, it's just wonderful. I can't believe this is only 25%. 25% for no, a long came Polly. Ridiculous. Absolutely, Absolutely ridiculous. ridiculous. This is this is better than most, if not all, comedies that come out nowadays, which are mm. shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it is a rom-com, and so you have to kind of go along with it in the way that you have to go along with all rom-coms. But in, a, in the sphere of rom-comery... This is, you know, it's it's fantastic. Philip Seymour Hoffman's hilarious. He's very funny. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, I mean, doesn't really do much, but then the girls don't tend to, I suppose, in romantic comedies, tragically. Um, they are the things to be, you know, sought out as opposed to people in their own right. Um, Hank Azaria in an incredible kind of oh, cameo role. so good. As uh, the French guy um, doing the, the scuba. Are you for scuba? Eh, Louvain. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. What's his name in that? What's his name? Uh, Claude? Claude, Claude, I think. Claude? Yeah. Claude, yeah. Are you for scuba? Wonderful. Lupin. My name is not Lupin. Okay, it's Lupin. <laughs> I love that. And fucking uh, Alec Baldwin's in it. Yeah. Oh, he's good in that. As a super kind of Jewish, uh, like, boss guy who's got a really deep voice and makes inappropriate jokes at his... Uh, has a wonderful jerking off the microphone motion when he's doing his speech oh, at the wedding at the beginning. A lovely ear stroke that I still use to this <laughs> It's just great. And it's a, a character that really plays to Ben Stiller's strengths, I think. Yeah, agreed. And kind of like neurotic and, yeah. So, yeah, that's tragic. I'm going to hold off on, on my... T- no, I'm not. Fuck it. The top one is, is uh, another... Um, I think it's a, a, another reason why you might watch bad films. It's... it's uh, it's a Christmas film, and Christmas mm. is a time that will often um, make you do certain things over and over again. It's, it's a, a time of tradition because you want to kind of do the same as you've done all the time. It's, you know, um, and so that can end up watching some bad films. The Santa Claus is a trilogy, for fuck's sake, and that was never a particularly good film. Um, this is a film that I will absolutely hold my hand up and say it's a bad film. Um, but. It has, like, two really good scenes that always make me cry, and so I have to watch it every single year. And it's a film called Fred Claus. Mm. It's, it's, it is objectively a bad film. Uh, it, has, it has John Michael Higgins in it again, though. He's cropping up again. I feel like he shows <laughs> up in a lot of bad films. Um, mm. he, uh, the, the elves are done in a really weird way with like, where it's like normal-sized actors' faces superimposed onto small bodies, which seems like a really unnecessarily complicated way to do it, and it looks a bit shoddy and a bit shitty. Same um, way they did in The Huntsman. Yeah, just, it Huntsman. just looks a bit weird and unnecessary. Mm. Um, if, you, if you're not going to do it perfectly, then don't do it at all. There's other ways of doing it. Do it like the fucking Lord of the Rings, where it's just like trick photography or whatever it might be, um, to get scale. Uh, Vince Vaughn just plays Vince Vaughn, of course he does, but... 
the bad guy is played by Kevin Spacey. Father Christmas is played by Paul Giamatti. And there is this um, one Good amazing actors. scene. Amazing actors. And there's an incredible scene uh, where Santa Claus confronts um, the bad guy, uh, Gerald Northcutt, about uh, his uh, mistakes that he's made around Christmas and talks about Gerald's... It kind of... It kind of I don't want to say it deconstructs the idea of Santa, but the idea of kind of naughty and nice lists and why kids are mean and why some kids kind of act up and that it's not really their fault and a naughty and nice list doesn't necessarily work that well. And it's, yeah, it's this weird, really emotional, really nice, really well-played scene in a, in the middle of this ridiculous bollocks of a, a, a Christmas film. Um, so, yeah, mm. I, I can absolutely hand on heart this is bollocks and doesn't really deserve much better than 21% but um, I still love it because it's Christmas I quite Eve. enjoyed it I did quite yeah? enjoy it yeah good yeah, it's not It's not awful no it's not awful if it's, it's not it's, great it's not good what, what it's is awful. awful in it though is aside from the, the weird elf animations and the fact that one of the elves is played by Ludacris um, <laughs> He's um, good playing it. DJ Donny uh, is Rachel Weiss's uh, Cockney accent um, so obviously she's an English woman and a, a wonderful Englishman and I uh, enjoyed her work in many films but in this film for some reason she she feels the need to to not be her normal English self but be a little bit more cockney and a little bit more and it's terrible it's as bad an accent as, as there is on film and it annoys me every single year um, but that aside it's yeah I enjoy it nice I, yeah I think that's I think that's a good selection Nice. Very good selection. And Thank you, very sir. Very good, I mean awful. Terrible. But that's as much of a compliment as you're going to get for a list that contains shit films. <laughs> and speaking of shit, what is uh, the, uh, Tom... the third instalment of uh, the Robin Danzi Pissard list? Does it involve our wonderful Tom Everett Scott again? It does. He's in a film <laughs> called Eight, Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. Uh, which has got Joe Pesci um, and is kind of a gangster film and it's your classic bag switch. We switch bags at the airport. You, I, you've got my bag full of clothes. I've got your bag full of eight heads, human heads. And I just so happen to have taken your bag when I'm going to meet my girlfriend and her parents for the first time on holiday. And all of a sudden I've got this bag full of eight heads and Joe Pashi's tracking me down. And uh, it's a calamity, uh, but it's hilarious. Uh, and that's 11%. Uh, <laughs> Is it I've good? Three do, more... do, you, do you think it's bad? Do I think it's it's eleven percent? It's a piece of shit, but I really and I know it's bad. But uh, again, okay. for nostalgia, it's one of those films nostalgia. that when I was old enough and when the internet kind of came into play, I sought it out and I had to own it, and I do, and it takes pride of place on uh, in my DVD collection somewhere <laughs> near the back, but it's there. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger double coming up. Lovely. Um, the first one is End of Days, which is literally wow. Arnold Schwarzenegger versus the devil. <laughs> uh, Need I say more? Is it Gabriel um, Burns in that as well? Absolutely, yeah. And Robin. Fine. Robin, she's from the craft, you know, the, the American girl, Robin something. Um, Robin Wright? Robin Wright Penn? Be, no, not Robin Wright Penn. Uh, anyway, um, there's a great line where a, a priest is trying to tell Arnold Schwarzenegger to have faith. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger replies, if I have to pick between my Glock 9mm and your guard, I pick my Glock. <laughs> uh, I pick my Glock, um, that's what I do. Robin Tunney. There. 
is the Robin Tunney. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And the other film that he's in, which you kind of almost touched on earlier, which I think is a really good, really entertaining film, is Batman and Robin. Where he plays <laughs> Mr. Freeze. This was a film that was, I went to see at the okay, cinema as a kid and was bought on VHS for my birthday by my friend Dippin Patel. Uh, if you're listening, Dippin, it's very unlikely, but hello, I miss you. I hope you will. India was a blast, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, Batman and Robin, 11%. Which, uh, and I know it's shit, but I really like it, man. He's so what do you good. like it about it? I like Arnold Schwarzenegger in it a lot. I like George <laughs> Clooney as Batman. It's got Alicia Silverstone, it's got Uma Thurman. Arnold Schwarzenegger has, it's got Bane. Um, the original Bane, yeah. as, as I see him. Um, the one where you press a button and he just says the word Bane as the um, <laughs> juices flow through his muscles. Um, it's also got uh, Schwarzenegger spouting some of his most classic one-liners. Yeah, Revenge that's true. Revenge is a dish best served ice, uh, <laughs> uh, amongst, amongst many others. Um <laughs> Uh, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. The Ice As Age. He kind of fires his gun, and uh, another one. He says, uh, "The Ice Man cometh." Nice. He then, uh, and some of the gadgets. In that, <laughs> then he the comes into a tissue. Um, no, I do while watching it. <laughs> the, the final film at eleven percent before we hit um, real rock bottom. We go sub ten. Is the oh no? We got one one at ten percent. Uh, is a Bill Murray film called Larger Than Life where um, as part of his father his father who was part of the circus in the film mm-hmm. dies and leaves him an elephant which he has to then get uh, across country um, and it's got it's got a great performance from Matthew McConaughey who plays a kind of weird trucker um, and actually it's kind of a role that's a bit like what's the film where he had AIDS recently won the Oscar for um, Dallas Buyers Club Dallas Buyers Club. It, there's a kind of fan <laughs> who's the same character but kind of slightly more mellowed out. Uh, larger than life, like Bill Murray and an elephant and some really funny moments. There's a, there's a thing where he's trying to drive the elephant in a truck, doesn't know how to drive the truck and the, the cab up front that he's driving in kind of starts to tip forward and all the, all the Snickers bars and M&Ms fly all around his cab and that used to really make me cry with laughter as a child. <laughs> so that's larger than life. At 10%, you've got uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3, <laughs> um, where where there's there's uh, something's gone wrong at one something's gone wrong at Wonderworld, and uh, Axel Foley's been hired to to figure out what has gone wrong. It's got the great song Wonderworld, Wonderworld. Da, 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 it's a happy do do do. Um, not the best Beverly Hills Cop, and actually by far the worst. But. <laughs> Uh, a film I loved as a young man. Sorry, I'm trying to rattle through these because the list is so big. And finally, we come to a John Leguizamo comedy from the 90s, um, which has a really cool theme song, which John Leguizamo, he breaks the fourth wall and performs it to camera. Um, of course. But that wasn't enough uh, to give critics um, any kind of inspiration to give it more than 9% on <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. But it's a film that I've watched and watched and watched. Again, I think I've recorded it off telly late one night. And um, I watched it again and again and again, and I, I love John Leguizamo. As a result, I think he's a really good actor, and he's been in some great stuff since. Um, but that film um, has really kind of uh, it's really kind of stuck with me and stayed with me, and I love it. Um, but it, it is kind of shit. Uh, and what's it called? That gives you s- it's called The Pest. The Pest. Sorry, I don't know if I said that. It's called The Pest. Um, um. Don't seek it out. Uh, <laughs> save yourself an hour and 40 minutes for the love of um, God I've watched, I've watched it enough for all of us 
Um, yeah, leave it alone. Leave it where it, where it belongs, which is wow. in the distant past, uh, condemned to be forgotten. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, but hopefully that gives you some indication as to uh, why Dan likes to mock me for my taste <laughs> in films. Um, it's, it's not a great list, and if anything, it's probably a shit list, but it's mine. And, and that's, hey, that. in flicks, we, we, we respect that. You know, it's 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 about well, what do you like? Not you know, we, you can't put a number on films as much as Rotten Tomatoes tries to do it. It's it's what do you think? Do you like it? Well, then that's good enough. I am a little disappointed, I will say, because um, I made two guesses for films that mm-hmm. would be on your list. Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag was one, and the other mm-hmm. one is one that Troy? you might kick yourself for. No, this is oh. a film that I haven't watched that, uh, mm-hmm. but that you have told me to watch, and were annoyed that I hadn't watched. And yet on Rotten Tomatoes, it tops out at a measly 26%, and the audience score is only 47%. Mm. This, is a fi- this is a film starring, uh, well, starring Charles Dance, apparently, I can see from these pictures. Oh, piss off. There's no way that's only got 20-odd percent. <sighs> is it? There's no way. That's ridiculous. Not Golden Child. Golden Child, yeah. 26%. Oh, I probably didn't look it up because I'm. I couldn't believe that it's got less than <laughs> sixty or seventy percent. That's madness. Um, Golden brilliant. Let's then let's again. Uh, maybe this is speaking uh, more volumes about my taste in films if I'm calling it brilliant and you're saying it's only got twenty six percent. I mean, just on a, a couple of the uh, summary kind of reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Paul Atan- Atanasio from Washington Post describes it as a half baked comedy without a heart. Um, Frederick and Marianne Broussat from Spirituality and Practice. Okay, so this is pointless, but not even right, Eddie Murphy's <laughs> Eddie Murphy's normal bag of tricks and ticks can save this contrived and unconvincing film from self-destructing. Um, it's got Eddie Murphy and Charles Dance. What I mean, what do you want? I mean, this is it. What do you yeah, want? it's if if it. I, mean, I, I can't. And it, it looks like in the background. Um, and it's it's fuzzy in this picture, so I couldn't be a hundred percent sure. And it might just be me being racist. And the longer this sentence goes on, the more I'm worried that it is. But it looks like it's got <laughs> Lopan in it. It does. There we go. It okay, does. So it's got Lopan, and actually, it has Egg Chen as well. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How can this fail? Jesus. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like Big Trouble in China Part Two. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's, plus Eddie I mean. Murphy. It's around the same t- plus Eddie plus Murphy, plus Charles, Charles Dance, Dance. Um, and that's why I loved it. It was kind of around the same time. Actors I'm very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, ridiculous premise, a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of comedy, a lot of comedy actually. I don't know why I said that. A lot yeah. of comedy. Um, what could possibly go wrong? There's some great one-liners in this as well. Dan, watch it, man. I am more annoyed now that you remind me. <laughs> it's twenty-six percent. Right, I'll give it a watch. Fuck it. Um, I'm gonna, and I'm going to make my wife watch it as well and if she gets annoyed with you because of that then that's you know that's on your head um, you live in another country fuck it inter- yeah we're going to be at your wedding so we uh, so yeah I threw this out on uh, Facebook uh, just as a little kind of smattering of uh, some of the films that came back on that uh, Star Wars episode one which I suppose which is from my uh, good friend Aaron who I imagine mm. would have watched that just because it is Star Wars and, you know, to, mm. for completion's sake. Um, Sex and the City 2 from my brother-in-law, James, um, which is... I, I don't understand how he's seen that more than more than twice. That seems, that seems weird. Is he married? Uh, he is, yeah. 
Um, then I've got to judge my sister because she's obviously the person that's forced him to do that. Uh, my good friend John, <laughs> who's a big Superman fan, Superman Four: The Quest for Peace, which is oh. a, a truly abysmal film. They get um, worse and worse, don't they? Yeah. Um, uh, a guy that I used to know um, in secondary school, Tom Cordry, says Terminator Three. Um, and I, when I quizzed him <laughs> on why he saw it again, he said, just remember twice thinking I couldn't believe my eyes and that surely it can't have been that bad, only to be fooled again, um, which I think has <laughs> got a lot of people into it. Um, Paul Colshaw says, um, or he has a few of them, Showgirls and Striptease and some of Sandra Bullock's not great earlier back catalogue. Um, which uh, I can get on board absolutely Uh, Diary of the Dead um, the Amanda Bynes film where she plays soccer and dresses up like a girl uh, dresses up like a boy Uh, my friend Mike says Love Actually Um, uh, somebody called Tony Childs who I think is a friend of the friend says Zombie Stripers which I assume he means Zombie Strippers maybe not maybe not not. who knows If if you haven't seen it don't presume nothing yeah um, and Son of the Mask, which I haven't seen either, but oh I've heard is a, truly abysmal. Um, wow. So, yeah, some terrible films out there. Um, but it, it doesn't matter, because this is a celebration of what do you like? What, what's... what, what mm, um, And that was a lot of fun, I'll be honest. That was a lot yeah, of fun. That was, that was good. And if we can, credit again uh, Turkish, Turkish for coming up with that question, because it spawned a great episode of Flicks. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful uh, episode based on a wonderful question. Uh, Turkish, if you have any other questions that you've been musing on that you want to just drop out and uh, just, you know, leave there like a dropped microphone, please do, because um, we love talking about them. Um, but yeah, that he is another... an after all. <laughs> he is one of those things. Um, so... Uh, yes, <laughs> Rob, uh, thank you so much for, for joining me. Um, hopefully uh, we'll be um, speaking to you again uh, sometime very soon. Uh, much to talk about with you. Very exciting things, very exciting plans in the works. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, uh, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Very welcome. Um, and dear audience, um, for, for listening to all of this, um, and for, yeah, hey, comment on some of your uh, best, worst films, the worst films that you've seen more than twice. Um, let us know, uh, comment below, or you know how to get in touch. Um, but yeah, for listening to this uh, episode of Flicks and for listening to the next episode of Flicks that we'll be looking to get up next week, um, I have a single thing to say. Cheers! <laughs>